0: You're listening to the Sphere Now ESG podcast on Spark, Sphere's safety, sustainability, and productivity thought leadership website. Sphere is the leading provider of ESG performance and risk management software, data, and consulting services. Now, let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Sphere Now ESG podcast, a program focused on safety, sustainability, and productivity issues. I'm James Tarani, Spark's Editor-in-Chief today we welcome back to the program Andy Bartletts who is a solution consultant for operational risk management for part eight of Andy's Almanac on accidents today we'll be discussing human errors and I hope I don't make any thank you so much for joining me today Andy
0: uh, thanks James for the introduction again <laughs> this is uh beginning to be a bit of fun you know we started out with doing three now we're on number eight and I'm sure we might have a few more in the bag uh, later in the in next year so oh, uh,
1: Let's keep it rolling. I mean, we have a lot of momentum with Andy's Almanac. It's been great getting to know you over the last couple of years. Before we begin, uh, since human error is kind of a broad subject in terms of process safety, we often refer to human factors. Can you explain that to the audience?
0: I think uh, a basic explanation would be poor human factors can lead to human error. Human error is what the individual or the team commits to actively. And it's always shown as something somebody did or something they didn't do. And then human factors are the reason why the errors occur. Human factors being an umbrella term for the study of people's performance in a specific environment. And later on, we'll we'll look at the model and and we'll explain it in more detail.
1: Okay, great. Well, before, when we were planning this podcast, you uh, shared a stat with me that I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. And it said that uh, 99% of accidental losses except for natural disasters begin with the human error. Uh, Wow, I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to believe. I mean, it's 99%. So I understand that you came from a session from the Middle East CCPS. Can you briefly explain what that conference was and elaborate on that statistic you heard?
0: Yeah, um, this conference uh, was organized by uh, the American Society of Chemical Engineers Center for Chemical Process Safety, that's AICHE and then CCPS, and it's the Middle East Process Safety Conference. It's the third one. I've been involved with all three of them. Uh, This last one was uh, done online, and uh, Svira had uh, two of the people speaking there. We had two papers accepted, so it was quite a a good thing for the company. What they do is CCPs are trying to share uh, process safety learnings around the world. They have these conferences in various places, the Far East, uh, USA and Europe. So it's a good sharing with a drive to a zero harm culture being the the push. I had the privilege to chair the session on human uh, factors. William Bridges, good friend of mine from the Process Improvement Institute, uh, published a paper Everything you need to know about human reliability for process safety, where he mentioned 99% of accidental losses, except for natural disasters, begin with human error. Now, this data is supported by 50,000 investigations cataloged by PII plus hundreds of thousands by others. He gave a good explanation of it. And in, in the olden days, you know, whenever there was an incident, they bled the person. It was the train driver's fault or it was the guy operating the shovel's fault. It was the man uh, breaking containment's fault. However, we know better today, and as we get on, we'll explain why.
1: It sounds a little bit like in the medical profession where you hear, first, do no harm. Uh, It's it's almost similar to what you're talking about here, I think. Yes, yes, it is.
0: We don't want to hurt anybody on the job, and we don't want to uh, destroy facilities that would make uh, loss of jobs.
1: Were there any other highlights from the event regarding human error that you'd like to share with our audience?
0: Yeah, there was two other uh, presenters. Uh, So we'll start with uh, Ibrahim Balharith, who is Saudi Aramco, the human factor in process safety management. Human error is a symptom of a trouble deeper inside the system, which we we touched on earlier. And uh, in my example, which I had to go and investigate this incident, a permit to work was issued for furnace A. Which was out of service for repairs but the contractor receiving the permit to work actually went to work on furnace b which was in service so when he opened the flange fuel gas escaped and ignited from the furnace burner causing burns to the contractor and the emergency shutdown was required to stop the fire so we lost production and we injured a person when you look at the human error model we can say there's there's four parts the human error model slips lapse mistake violations so under the slips, the design of the pipe and equipment identification stenciling was not fit for purpose, which increased the likelihood of working on the wrong equipment. The lapse, the permit issuer for not following site procedures, which required him to go to the furnace and say, this is the place I want you to work. It's called a joint sign visit with the contractor prior to the work starting. And then there was a mistake. The permit issuer made an error of judgment in not communicating the right location actually pointing to the location from a distance
1: oh i see yeah
0: and then there was a violation which is the fourth part of the human owner model where supervision accountability and employee ignoring training so when you look deeper which i we did do when we investigated this there was a team of us this particular person had several violations against him for permits he was a very lazy individual and the supervision had not taken him to account they had retrained him but he hadn't listened to the training and he ignored it really he shouldn't have been in that position anymore issuing permits that's the human error isn't it so if you go back to the question before every incident starts with a human error so there was the human error was one the person issuing the permit and I guess you could even say that the person receiving the permit should have been a bit stood on the ground and said look I need you to come with me and show me exactly where you want me to work
1: Yeah, I don't know why I have medical on my brain, but like before you get a surgery and they're doing surgery on your finger, they say, can you point to where the surgery is, even though they know where it is, because they just want to have that reassurance that they're working on the right part of the body. It's almost similar to that.
0: Yeah, reinforcement of the command. Yeah, that was one. The the other presentation that day was by uh, Natasha Andrews, who works for Risk Tech. Planning for human factors, engineering and projects. And that's quite interesting to me because I had an example where uh, we commissioned several gas plants. And uh, one of the things on a gas plant is you have to take samples, live samples while the plant's running. And that's how you set up your uh, automated sample system is you take live samples and you take them to the lab and you process that sample and see whether the automated system is giving you the same result if it's not then you have to adjust the automated system to give you the same same result so taking a sample on the, it was put on the drawing we need a sample point here so when the people built the plant they put the sample point where it said in the drawing just so happened it was up a ladder so the person going to do the sample had to carry the equipment which is a special spanner to undo the valve connect the piping on the sample container which is normally referred to as a bomb because it looks like the shape of one. And then you have to carry this full container, which carries quite, it's stainless steel, it's heavy and it's full of liquid gas, down a ladder. If you dropped it, it
1: would be like a bomb. Wait, if a had, sample bomb? What's a well, sample bomb?
0: It, its That's what it's called. It's a container that looks like a, <laughs> a bomb. It has, it has a little valve at either end. If it was carrying propane, which expands 11 to 1, and quite a big big uh, explosion would happen. The first thing you do when you do checking out the planet, say, well, that's no good. We're going to have problems taking that sample. We'll need to move the sample point somewhere else. So that is human factor engineering, is that you want to make the task that the people are doing as easy and as safely as possible, not put the position that they could make an error quite easily by doing the job in the way that the design was. So that's the human factor part of it. So you design out the human error.
1: I know you touched on this already, but can you go a little bit deeper into the human error model? I think that's something that we really should focus on for this audience. I think that's going to be interesting for them.
0: Yeah. So if you remember back in what is human error, it is someone did or didn't do something. So you either have to do something one way, the correct way or you don't do it the correct way so it's basically either you either do it or you don't do it so a slip is you know something that was designed wrongly lapses when people don't follow the procedure and a mistake when they make an error of judgment and then violation where they actually don't do something that they should have done
1: the question i have for you is we have all this software. I mean, there's obviously the Sphere software, and but with all this information in people's hands, why is this still happening, these human errors? It seems like there's so much information at their fingertips now that obviously wasn't available when you were starting your career in the 1970s. So we're still seeing these kinds of things. Is it that people are Ignoring the technology and information in front of them, are they not using it? Are companies taking shortcuts?
0: Well, sh- shortcut is is one of the human errors that happens, and it's comes under the violations. The question you ask me, I don't have the the figures where companies who had paper-based systems have introduced technology. did their human errors go down? I would think so because it's difficult to make some of these human errors using technology take for example if you're using mobile equipment to issue a permit you know exactly where that person is he's in the right place you know whether he did the joint site inspection and uh, when they went to issue the permit you know that they followed the uh, risk assessment that was uh, with the permit because they've signed off to say they do it whereas with the paper system they could just sit in an office and just check all the boxes which has happened in this particular incident is the person ticked all the boxes in the office and then left. The fire actually touched the office where the permit issuer was, well, had been. The question being, is technology helping us to reduce human error? In my opinion, I would say yes.
1: I know you were intricately involved in the SPHERA's recent safety report that came out about a month ago at this recording. Is there any highlights from that report that you think are applicable to human error that you'd like to share?
0: I went and looked at the HSE UK, who actually issued a report on safety culture. And when they were referring to inclination of their employees to comply with rules or act safely or unsafely, which is human error. However, they found that the culture and style of management is even more significant. For example, the natural unconscious bias for production over safety. We hear a lot about unconscious bias nowadays. Sure. Uh, Production over safety and the tendency to focus on short terms win-win as we hear and being highly reactive to what's happening and let's fix it now and get on with it. Whereas sometimes it's it's better to take the long term and say, "Okay, this keeps happening. We can't live with this. We need to take a shutdown and do it, which costs money and of course loses production. So when you look at Sphere's latest safety survey, which has some interesting findings along these lines, it says 60 percent want to reduce their risk exposure, 48 percent, which is up from 40 percent, Want to comply with all regulations, which I would think they want to, because uh, you get fined if you don't. Sure. And 37% stated that it's now a corporate and board priority to move safety in the right direction. A strong safety culture: an organisation must engage its frontline workers to complete safety activities on a regular basis. The importance of giving health and safety guidelines makes itself felt in the operation schedules and practices. What are we saying is that the people in the front line are the ones who make the mistakes or don't make the mistakes. We don't hear about it when when they do things right, because production is running. The the products being sold, money's coming in, stock price is stable. However, when there is an incident and you lose production and it gets out that this was um, a bad bad, uh, decision by management, it's normally in the past always been a bad decision by the guy in the front line. And that, that's the human error. But the human factor is, let's see, what systems were in place that didn't prevent that person from making the error? And and that, that's what we, we need to look at. And by having technology, we can help people not make errors. And we can also, with technology, see people making errors as the risk levels rise in the facility. And the management can then say, OK, why is that risk raise, rising in that particular unit, that particular organization? We need to go and look and fix it. Safety culture. It's all about management and, and the workforce working together not to make bad decisions.
1: And that's part of a HAZOP, right? When you're doing a HAZOP study, you're looking at what could happen if this pipe was out of service or things like that?
0: Well, a HAZOP study is, you know, you have a set it's, uh, of too much, too less temperature, pressure, flow, etc. You do a HAZOP study and you look at all all the ways the plant can run. But I'm more, I'm more inclined to look at the day to day safety where we have a job safety analysis says we're going to do this job. What are the hazards that could occur, the potential hazards and what controls would need to be in place? And of course, human error would be you've, you've mapped all this out and they don't follow the controls They take shortcuts. And that's where incidents happen with the JSA, Either you missed the hazard or you missed uh, you missed the control, or they didn't put the control in place that was supposed to be. And with a paper-based system, that's not easily done. However, with electronic technology we've got today, you can manage that a lot better.
1: I mean, it's sort of like human nature to try and find the quickest way to do things sometimes, and the quickest way when it comes to safety is not usually the best way. Now,
0: what happens is people get away with doing things the wrong way, And it becomes a habit and it becomes the norm and uh, the procedure itself uh, is not followed that tends to happen and and, you know what what i have seen is you get a young guy comes in he's a trainee and an older guy shows him okay we're going to go through the training manual as a mentor and a mentee and the 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 young guy's got his training okay i've got to do this this way i don't bother that way we've always done it this way it's quicker it's faster don't worry about it and, you know, the older guy retires, the young guy goes in and he doesn't know all the other things that can go on. And what happens is he, he makes the uh, mistake doing it the wrong way, but doesn't have the experience to correct it when it goes wrong. Uh, which actually uh, I go back to my days in the chemical plant. The guy on a shift before me took a shortcut. I came on shift, it was all going wrong and I had no idea how to fix it because what I'd been taught wasn't happening. And I had to go and get the supervisor to come out and say, it and show him, look, I've got all these things going wrong. Ah, That's because he's done that and he's done that. And I said, well, nobody ever showed me to do that. No, you're not supposed to do it that way. It's a quick way of doing it. That does happen. But with technology, hopefully that will iron out those uh, cracks in the system.
1: Yeah, I think we've talked about this before with shift handoff, how dangerous it can be when you have somebody who's worked say a eight ten hour shift they're tired they want to get home and they don't necessarily relay all the information to the next person who's coming on the job and that's where it could be it could become really dangerous
0: yeah i i uh, always remember some of my shift handovers i was coming on shift and the guy going off what's it everything's as usual
1: <laughs> and that was it <laughs> <laughs> That's not very helpful, is it?
0: No, no, and especially when it wasn't that particular time. And uh, the guy, the guy got a um, a warning, and he got demoted. So, and blame me for not knowing that uh, the wrong way to do the job.
1: <laughs> you can't blame Andy Bartlett. <laughs> well, Andy, this was a pleasure. Were there any final thoughts you wanted to add about human errors before we end this program? No,
0: oh, I I think that. Um, it, it's something that we we build into our um, programs as we uh, develop them, the the way to try and uh, reduce human error and uh, provide the information to keep people on the right track. That's, you know, that's one of our reasons for being.
1: Fantastic. Well, another great episode of Andy's Almanac on accidents. Can't wait for the next one. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sphere Now ESG podcast on Spark. We hope you enjoyed the show. Want more safety, sustainability, and productivity-related blogs and podcasts? Subscribe to Spark today. Visit sphera.com backslash spark and let's spark a conversation.